Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. With the funeral industry, I grew up in it. That's where my passion comes from, that funeral industry. And I've just gotten the whole uh, give back to the community and support the community through community service from my grandfather. So it's a long-standing family tradition. Yeah, it's interesting eh, how we um, work in family businesses and how that tradition continues, which is great. And then leadership goes from one generation to another and so forth in that business and in the industry as well. So how did you get into leadership? Well, I I always saw myself as a leader. My brothers called me bossy, but I <laughs> told them it was they were leadership skills. But no, seriously, I just I started really with community things. So at our church, I oversaw the Sunday school program because I wanted my kids to have a more experiential hand and not just reading the scriptures. I went into the Parents Without Partners and sat on committees and became uh, the vice president of the family and youth programming, because I wanted to make sure my kids were having some fun stuff, you know, and I just brought everybody else along for the ride. And so I started there. And then when I got involved with SCORE, I was mentoring business owners. And I thought that was great, but I thought I could take the the chapter to the, another level. And so I jumped in to oversee the marketing and the awareness, since that's what I did. And ultimately, I jumped in to become the female chair, the first female chair. Awesome. And so I like how you just say, I just jumped in. I just did I just you know. jumped in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And for a lot of those, for some of those organizations, of course, that sounds like they're more, more voluntary organizations. Would that be right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I always find that, you know, when you're in a, in a business area and you've got the boss and then they tend to sort of give you the, you know, they lead or they manage and so forth. But when you're in a volunteer organization, I always find that leadership is where leadership is actually showing really well because you have to be very influential. They don't work for you. They don't get paid by you. So you have to bring those teams together. Hey, what's your thoughts or you know, what's been your experience around volunteer organizations? Exactly what you said too, it is influencing them and connecting with them. That's my big thing is being able to connect with others so that they do give me the buy-in that I need to move everybody forward. So the leadership that I brought to SCORE is very different because I reached out to people one-on-one and I said, are you doing what you want to do in this organization? How can I help you be a better mentor? And so then I can connect them to resources that I have in my vast network and I can provide learning opportunities for them as well so that they can help their clients. Yeah. So listeners, it's, um, you know, Tamara's just standing here, um, Tamara, 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 it depends Tamara. on what- Tamara, yeah, it depends on what country you come from. I know that in Australia, I think it's more Tamara. Uh, Tamara is what they say it, but um, Tamara. Uh, yeah, it depends. I think and it's important for us as leaders to build our toolkits and have our toolkits full 
So when we are working with people like and volunteer organisations and that, we can actually refer them to our toolkits and, and resources and that and so forth. So here's an interesting question for you. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favourite leader and why? My favourite leader, I have several of them. That is an excellent question. But the one that I really lean on the most lately has been John Maxwell. I have loved his stuff forever and ever and ever. And what I really like about him is that he walks the talk. He doesn't just tell you what you need to do to be an effective leader. You can see it in everything that he does. His books are written in an easy to understand language that you can, you, I can't put most of them down. I highlight all of them. I've got, you know, flag stickers on everything so that I can go to different passages. And I just, that's what I love about him is that he, he's like every man. He's every man when he talks to people. And you are the most important person in the room when he's talking to you. Yeah. For our listeners, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, John C. Maxwell, he's an author of about 80 books, a wonderful speaker, a wonderful leader, and he's done so well over the years and uh, just had a big birthday for himself. And John, mm -hmm. as, as Tamara is saying, that John is someone who's really, really quite cool in the sense that you're so right in his books. Easy read, so easy. It, it's a lot of leadership books that I find are very much technical jargon, very academic and things like that. His is, layman's terms, very simple, easy to understand, and you're right, it's hard to put them down. And so, um, uh, listeners, if you haven't already checked out John C. Maxwell, go and check out his books. Uh, which one's your favorite book? Uh, right now, my favorite book is Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. Yeah, wonderful. That's an older, that's an yeah. older book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's so true because I've seen, you know, and you and I have probably seen and our listeners have seen leaders that communicate and everyone goes, what? What are they going on about? But the leader that's able to up, be up there to, to communicate and really connect with the audience, that that's just really, really special for um, for people to experience. And I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. Well, no, I think it's it's strange actually sitting here um, having you read back my life because I said, oh, some of those things sound right. <laughs> you always sort of forget about them. You know, when they you're sound quite them. good. Yeah, they yeah. do. So no, uh, look, yeah, I'm a self-confessed political junkie. You know, I think you can kind of hear that from some of the sorts of things you read out. But you know, I'm a, I was talking to someone the other day and they sort of said, what do you do? And I sort of said, oh, look, I'm a, I'm a reputation mechanic. I like getting oh. under the hood of, you know, businesses and organizations that kind of try to work out, A, what's working, what's not. And then, you know, fiddling with the thing, a few things here and there. And getting things humming again. And I've had, I've had the privilege of working for some pretty awesome people and organizations and companies throughout the years. Um, yeah. So. Well, what, what makes your, what inspires you or makes you so motivated about the, the kind of role as a reputation mechanic? What, what do you like about it so much? You know what? I think it's just the fact that there's something's come undone along the way. You know, I've always enjoyed my career working for, I wouldn't say organizations in crisis, because that's sometimes an overdone word, but certainly organizations that have needed a bit of fine tuning. And, you know, I've, I think, you know, given my, my father's a builder, you know, I'm a big DIY addict. So I think just the, the, the idea of, of tackling something and fixing something, I think is probably in my DNA and it's just, you know, translated into my professional life, but, you know, just rolling up your sleeves and, and, and fixing something for the better is always pretty satisfying. Yeah, rolling up your sleeves and fixing something. And I think that's really quite important in the leadership role is to roll up your sleeves and get in there and maybe not fix things, but at least lead from the front, depending on what needs to happen. So how did you get into leadership? Yeah, look, 
I feel like a bit of a fraud talking about leadership, uh, to be honest, because you know, I feel like I've stood behind and certainly in the shadow of some great leaders, you know, from some politicians, um, prime ministers, ministers and the like, uh, to CEOs of some, you know, pretty large, complex New Zealand businesses. But I certainly don't feel qualified to talk about it because I feel in some ways that I have fallen into leadership roles. And, and you know, certainly, you know, we'll unpick what leadership means. And I think leadership, well, what used to be leadership has just leaked transformed over the years. But I, I feel like I've just sort of assumed leadership roles without realizing it. I, I looked back at my sort of career and, and CV and the like, trying to find a moment where I went from managing people to leading people and mm. couldn't f- quite find that. I was hoping for a distinctive moment uh, that I could talk to, but haven't. And I think that's the very, very nature of leadership today is that it's no longer about title or you know having a, a C-suite office. It's about having the opportunities to sort of step up and and lead people around you, even though you may not know you're doing it. So uh, for me, it's been a, I suppose, a bit of a journey. Still on it. Yeah, cool. And when you, I I really like what you say there, Julian, in relation to managing people to leading people. I think that's quite a good sort of segue into certain things as well for a lot of leaders. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of them do manage and, you know, whereby I think what we used to say was that management comes from the head and leadership comes from the heart. Yeah, that's and, right. um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Hey, look, I'm going to ask you a question here. Now this person can be alive or from history. And the question here is who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah, I don't really have a single leader. I think leaders and leadership changes so often, right. And, and, and depending on the circumstance. So every year I tend to focus or, or sort of, I guess, study a, a leader uh, to keep up with the times and, and make sure, you know, sort of constantly learning and, and, and understanding business and political world around us. And this year I'm, I'm studying, studying, I'm reading all about Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft, a chap who took over the reins of one of the most iconic companies, which had a world-famous CEO. Everyone knew who, who Bill Gates is. No one knows who Nadella is. All well, very few people do. Certainly not a household name. And yet he revolutionized the way that company operated. He really, he humanized a technology giant. I mean, that, that is a, in itself is a huge um, sort of accomplishment. You know, he focused on culture and empathy. And um, he was a very, he's a very curious leader. And he sort of assumed this role. No one really had heard much about him and he completely defied expectations. And I think a lot of people read about him and it's certainly my reflection is that he, he was thinking, well, he's an empathetic leader. So therefore he's a soft leader or he was just a really nice guy or was a nice guy. But actually he brought great clarity uh, to his vision. Had really big, bold ideas, very innovative. And he's very energetic. So he brings to you know any meeting or any sort of engagement he has one-on-one or with, you know, 5,000 people, he's, and he brings this great energy and urgency and momentum to his ideas. And, you know, he's been incredibly successful. You know, I think he grew Microsoft by something like $250 billion, which is a nice, tidy little sum for someone, you know, but, but really did it in a way that changed the culture. And I think mm. he's, a, he's a leader for our times, really. So I've got a lot more to learn about him, but that's certainly what has impressed me so far. Yeah, I had the privilege of going with Microsoft uh, 30 facilitators from around the world. We all went to Microsoft in Dublin and we were talking about exactly what you're just talking about. 
because he wanted the the leaders to come up with their own purpose in life. Yeah, that's right. And so we've seen that quite a bit as well, which is which right. is fantastic. But I love what you say here about bring energy, urgency, and momentum to the role and to to into meetings and things like that. So I think that that'll be brilliant. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 